All right, welcome to Just Dow It, the podcast for people starting DAOs. I'm Adam Miller, and I'm your host. I'm the CEO of MyDAO, which provides legal entity solutions for DAOs, and excited to be here with you today. This is our second episode of the week. Earlier this week, uh, I spoke with Ben about the news of the week about DAOs, digging into those articles, uh, trying to figure out what we agree and disagree with. So please go listen to that episode too. So for today, Ben, let's introduce you to the audience by asking you how you got into Web3 and DAOs in the first place. Yeah, so I got into um, Web3, well, crypto in general, a long time ago. I actually came across the Bitcoin white paper, I want to say back in like 2011 or 2012, and got fascinated by it. But it didn't have the conviction to go, you know, make big moves into crypto back then. I was already running a startup. When EVM came out or Ethereum came out, uh, it was, again, curious, but not really fully interested in it. But over the last couple of years, I've had the chance to actually go deep dive into Ethereum and just smart contracts in general. And I think it is an absolute game changer. And I believe that Web3 really is the future of the internet. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if you had a similar moment as I did, because my story is very similar. I, I didn't actually know about the white paper, but I got involved in Bitcoin in 2012. And then I saw that Ethereum was happening, but it wasn't until 2020 when I think I, you know, I got my MetaMask wallet, I exchanged some tokens and I bought an NFT. And it wasn't like those tokens or that NFT was going to change my life, but experiencing using Ethereum changed my life. And I, I instantly, something clicked in my head. And I think this happens for a lot of people where I thought like, th this is it, this is internet 2.0, this is going to change everything. D do you remember, did you have a moment like that? Was it buying an NFT or was it something else? I remember the first few transactions, um, I was trying to f understand what a token was exactly. And um, it wasn't about the transaction or MetaMask. Like that part's actually fairly straightforward. It was trying to figure out all of the different lingo, the acronyms, the names for the tokens and the different platforms. And then to realize that like in the years since I um, first bought Ethereum, that there are a bunch of other, you know, uh, virtual machine smart contract chains out there. And the, the, the ecosystem had just blown up. Um, and so as a newcomer, it was incredibly painful to understand crypto and DeFi. Um, but I remember actually using Uniswap and actually figuring out how it worked for the first time. And it, that was like a light bulb moment, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, the, the thing that prevented me from getting it for a long time was the differentiation between Ethereum and um, wrapped Ether. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. like the yeah. ERC twenty yeah, representation one. of the native yeah. token, yeah. right, is a completely different thing. And I'm like, why? It didn't make sense to me it's until such I used a Uniswap. Rabbit hole. It yeah. is, and then you're like, I miss it. Oh, <laughs> now I, I miss see. It. And that's that's one reason I started this podcast. Is podcasts were such a big part of my learning journey because I just I had to hear about the thing I had never heard of yet, so I could then go look it up and spend hours trying to figure out what it is. And then if I figure that out, maybe a day trying to figure out how it works, and then a day trying to figure out how to use it. And that's a great example, right? If any, first of all, if anyone hasn't doesn't know what Uniswap is, go check out Uniswap. <laughs> and uh, if you want to go deeper. What is a token? <laughs> and try yeah. to answer that question. Yeah, uh, an ERC twenty versus a uh, you know ERC seven twenty one. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, but but the moment you realize what an ERC twenty is and what that represents, and then you realize there is a opposite version of that. Conceptually, like you can build on it super quickly. So, like 
you know, my professional history with crypt, uh, crypto is not that long, right? In, the, in terms of full-time work that I've done, but there are some basic things that you can understand about the technology. And then the moment that clicks, everything else falls into place. And that's the part that I think is like incredibly powerful about trading crypto yourself and doing the swaps and understanding how DeFi works and things like that, is that once you start to see the logic, the logic is actually very, very good. Yeah, right. It's true. Yeah. And I mean, uh, anyone I meet who was part of the development of the internet in the 90s tends to say that this feels the same. Like the people who, and I wasn't there and I always wished I was, one part, one reason I'm so happy about being part of Web3, but from what I hear, that feeling that people had going to conferences and building websites and building these systems, you know, that eventually turned into Facebook and Google and Amazon and all this other stuff, they knew they were doing something that was going to change the world. Maybe they didn't know exactly how or what it would look like. Um, and people working on Web3, we know we're changing the world too. I have a lot of friends who I've accumulated through my uh, years in Web2, right? And so we've built platforms together. We've been in, you know, sometimes opposite sides of the table, you know, competing against each other, but we've been around the block and we are kind of salty, you know, crusty, you know, old guys at this point, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we call them veterans of uh, entrepreneurship, Yeah, veterans. Uh, but we've, we've been hanging out in a discord playing, you know, games together <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and the concept of a DAO came up because we wanted to buy the NFTs. This is crisis, crisis DAO. Um, and, Every single one of us got red pilled. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's it's like watching an infectious disease take over a community. Yeah, right. Right. Um, yeah. Actually, that's yeah. actually overstating it. There's a bunch of us who are just playing games and like they, they, they still think it's like they're very skeptical about it. Mm, but okay. um, every single one of us who actually took a deep dive into uh, Ethereum yeah. and crypto came out yeah. on the other side going, "Well, yeah. I guess I'm not working on anything else." Yeah, like ever. it was such a binary, <laughs> like yeah. you put somebody through a machine yeah. and it like brainwashed them. Yeah. It's right. Like, never for seen me, it was like, like I like it for me, it was like, I have to be a part of this. Like yes. I, I don't, I didn't know how at the time, but I knew I had to be a part of it. I, and so that's the way, that's the way my experienced entrepreneur friends feel who, have, you know, we've built companies in web two and we all, we understand the shortcomings of a web two model, right? Mm, we've, we've yeah. all like went through the idealistic phase of Web 2 and came out on the other side like much more realistic. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting too. I mean, we're kind of patting our own industry on the back here, but it's interesting to note that I think most people who do the research and experiment with crypto end up being believers. There are some exceptions. You know, Bankless just had on their podcast uh, a guy who was kind of speaking for fiat. Um, and, and this is someone who, who has gone deep into crypto, does understand it and, and, and is a fan in some ways, but does also have some important criticisms. Um, but they had him on cause he's like the one in a million that gets into this stuff and doesn't get completely obsessed and, and, uh, I guess single-minded about it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're going to build a business today, right, th there's plenty of opportunities to do so. Uh, if you want to build a product or build a community, there's plenty of ways to do it. But why not do it? I think the consensus became clearly this is how we're going to work in the future. And if this mm. is the future, we should start today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So tell us a little bit more about the projects you're working on now. Um, I don't know if you want to focus on origami or talk yep. about your DAOs as well, but yeah, please absolutely. Uh, tell us more. Yeah, so um, at origami, we've been helping uh, the most ambitious networks in the world build DAOs. 
And this is the same kind of thread, which is once the people in the network realize that governance on-chain, transparency, uh, being able to use tokens to actually incentivize people uh, and membership uh, and to coordinate consensus, like when they see all of those benefits of crypto, they want to actually build a scalable organization because uh, the vast majority of DAOs today are really investment clubs um, because they're directly investing off of their accounts. And there are limitations on regulations on how you can build that. Usually it caps out at about 100 members. And so Origami's pioneered this framework um, where we can build a DAO that works as an operating company that can scale to millions of members. Right? And so, again, if you're creating the business of tomorrow and you want to have a partnership with a community of people, you can actually build that community yourself. And so if you want to create a fashion brand and you have a bunch of people who want to actually uh, support that cause, you can actually build a DAO that is a partner to that fashion brand. And so when it comes to distribution or feedback or validation, you can actually have people put in their community vote to help you guide that business. And those two things are separate, right? You can build a company and have a partnership with the DAO. Those don't need to be the same thing, but the community now has a much bigger stake and a say and has a vested interest in your success. Yeah, so in that type of use case, I like to say, you know, you could either be you you could either be on the mailing list of your favorite brand and get their newsletter or you can be part of the DAO for that brand and get to help make decisions. And I just think, I mean, so much of consumer brands and and just business is about engaging with your customer, which is more engaging, just sending them information or having them help make decisions on something important to them. So let's think of a mental exercise here, right? Which is if I'm creating the airline mileage program in the future, I would do it as a DAO and tokenize the issuance of the mileage uh, program itself. Now, airlines are not going to do that. Uh, airline mileage is like the the golden goose, the goose that laid the golden egg for, for airlines. It's actually where most of their profits come from. And so they're not going to want to turn that control over to others. But if I wanted to create a tr- fair and transparent way of rewarding my customers, DAOs are the best way to do it. Otherwise, you have centralized control over how that program works, right? Yeah, they can so... change the terms on you at any time, as we have experienced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the next airline that wants to think about a competitive advantage may want to think about transferable digital rewards rather than the traditional, you know, quote unquote miles that you lose if you don't use them for three years and you can't transfer them, et cetera. And that might not be better for the airline, but if everybody who wants to fly likes it better in the long run, that's the only airline that's going to succeed against the others. And so I guess in the long run, it is better for them. Um, Somebody's going to figure that out. Right. Some, right. Some, Someone's going to do it. Yeah. Some airline exec is going to look at the crypto at, yeah. at a more mature state, probably in the business and say, hey, instead of using our mileage program, if we could give tokenized rewards to our frequent flyers, we may be able to take the, you know, the business class, like the, the, the frequent flyer cohort and actually move them off of the big major yeah. airlines of today. Yeah. Right? And you can yeah. apply this to like almost any kind of loyalty program, not just airlines. Um, do you want to talk about any of your other projects uh, in yeah. addition to Origami? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that we've done is created a scalable venture investing support community. And so uh, one of our uh, first customers is a DAO called VC3DAO, and they are a venture DAO. And they generate deal flow, in other words, new opportunities for them to invest in uh, from the community because they started out with the community in mind. 
And so that's an example of somebody who's actually taken the community model first and said, let's go backwards. Like, let's go do this with a community first and then build a venture vehicle. And so that's, a, at this point, a proven successful model of getting community buy-in. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, you're also part of, or one of the founders of OrangeDAO, right? Yep. Yeah. So OrangeDAO yep. was my second project DAO. And um, that's where um, I had the chance to evolve the charter framework that we used at Crisis DAO to create a much more robust model. And it is a, it's different than a lot of the DAO frameworks that I used um, because it uses a representative democracy model. And Orange DAO has been successful to the point where I think it's got 80 million approximately uh, dollars under asset, uh, uh, assets under management. And so it's been a pretty amazing success story. And it's a community now of 1,300 experienced founders, most of us backed by YC. Interesting. And it sounds like they delegate their governance rights. Is that what you mean by representative democracy? or what Yeah, does there's a couple mean? ways to do it. So uh, the origami framework uh, for DAOs explicitly allows uh, delegation. Right. These are kind of like the, the, the basic things that you want to do when you actually create a DAO to say, these are the rules of the game. And so you want to be explicit about what is allowed and what isn't allowed. Um, but we also actually use a, a committee structure. And so there's a nine member committee split into threes, uh, the rule of threes here. And they actually act as um, checks and balances for the community. And people are elected into those roles every season, uh, which for us is every six months. And so they actually have the oversight requirement. And the reason we actually designed it that way is that while DAOs are really good at creating network effects and getting members to join in, the challenge is that no one's in charge. And so the yeah. way we work, <laughs> yeah, that is right? The challenge. That's the challenge. So you don't want anybody in charge, but you want somebody to at least be on the other side accountable. So if Adam, you want to do work for the DAO and you pass a proposal and we give you a million bucks to go do something, what happens? How do we know if that's actually worthwhile for us? Right. So, so the, the committees are the counterparties, right? That say, Hey, thanks, Adam. You've done a great job in this proposal. Let's go see if we can uh, scale this up or, Hey, you, this wasn't really delivered. We can't, we can't give you our support for the uh, feature. Right. So yeah. there has to be some level of, you know, who's accountable for the performance. Hmm. So I guess in that case, your product is invest making investments, but you could apply it to a DAO that, builds another a software product as well and say, these are the nine people accountable for the development of the product? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at least accountable for the, the work that the DAO has agreed to do. So you can pass a proposal, right? It's not the committees are making all the decisions, but that proposal is now going to go to a committee for accountability. So it's like, great. Uh, um, you know, the DAO wants to do X. Who's going to be here to make sure that the work is being done right? Yeah. Yep. Interesting. So, so is it with Origami, the DAO framework and platform that you're building, um, does every DAO follow a particular framework or structure? Or Yeah, like, yeah they all use the same uh, framework. Okay. And so you okay, can obviously cool. tweak the numbers and tweak the way the rules work. But, you know, there is a core, like what we call a minimally viable DAO mm. that uses this structure. So at the end of the day, the you can actually have this handful of quote unquote, committee members be the minimally viable DAO. Mm, okay. Right. You don't need a thousand people to make these simple decisions, right? You can have this core group that have volunteered and have been elected into these roles to actually make the small decisions on behalf of the DAO and be held accountable at the next round of elections. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you have a lot of experience with DAOs and with 
building a framework for lots of DAOs to use. Yeah. And you've seen a lot of people use it. Yeah. So I want to ask you, what what's the most common growing pain that you see DAOs have in their early stages of development? And how would you recommend that people address that challenge? Uh, the number one problem that people have, uh, that DAOs have in the, in the early stages, is that they're getting conflicting advice. So they've talked to lawyers, at least one lawyer, and basically the end result is we can't recommend the path forward because we don't know. Right? There are things that we will tell you about how the law works or how it's been interpreted or how it's been used. But if you're going to go issue or become a DAO and issue tokens, um, there's no risk-free way of doing it. And so DAOs kind of end up in this state of like frozen, lack, like indecision, which is nobody wants to take the risk um, because they don't understand it. And so they can't move forward. And now they're, in a, they're a DAO in name only. They don't have a token. They've only got a Discord community. They can't really do anything. And everybody's looking at each other and going, how do we move forward? Okay. Does that apply in particular to investment DAOs? Given that the vast majority of DAOs out there are trying to collect money and then to go fund projects, uh, they generally kind of fall into the same bucket. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I guess I feel like I usually read that the most common type of DAO is the product DeFi protocol DAO that is governing like some kind of software, open source software project on the blockchain. By number of tokenized interaction and governance, DeFi DAOs probably rule them all. Right, they're probably okay. the majority of DAO interactions because you know I can vote with my Uniswap token on a governance proposal, and that 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 counts. But in terms of number of DAOs, right, number of entities or groups that are being formed, they're they're mostly just direct investment or indirect investment DAOs, uh, and they have to be structured in this very specific way. Yeah, interesting. I feel like also the largest group of DAOs would be DAOs that don't have any money yet. If we're just looking at like one or the other, and I don't know if you'd call those DAOs yet or just like startup DAOs that are trying to be DAOs, but either way, I think uh, there's probably more investment DAOs without any investment yet. Than yeah, there are. I would call them pre-launch DAOs, right? So they're, they're like, like uh, they're, they haven't figured out how to actually raise the money or to pull the capital to actually do the work um, because they're in a state of limbo. And so, you know, our recommendation to them is you actually have to take a stance. You actually have to take a position and say, while this is imperfect, this is good enough, right? Which is true leadership, right? There's a famous quote from Jeff Bezos where he says, um, 80% of information is good enough for us to make a decision on, right? And this, so this isn't native to crypto. This is not native to DAOs. It's just this specific way of or type of uncertainty uh, feels weird because, you know, you use the big L word and have lawyers involved. But in any business, you're always making decisions with not enough information. Yeah, very interesting. We talk a lot in the show about the importance of leadership in DAOs. And even if it's not leadership from the top or the center, you still need leadership in your DAO, even if it's totally distributed across all the members. And so I think you're, yeah. you're, you're talking about one important element of leadership. Yeah, and the origami framework uh, is very clear on creating guidelines around what should be done written into the logic and the culture of the DAO and what should be decided on later, right? And what we're optimizing for is the clear establishment of electing people into key roles, right? And so that the DAO can actually say, great, at least there is voted on leadership. There's, there's a method of declaring leadership temporarily for the DAO and to actually turn it over and to elect new leaders. Yeah. So do you feel that's a contrarian opinion in today's world of DAOs? Or do you feel that that's actually, you're just going with the flow of what people are saying and what they're doing? 
Um, I think to some people it will sound um, heretical. <laughs> yeah. Contrarian is not a strong enough word for to describe <laughs> what I'm advocating here to for some people. Um, you know, I, I think I think people have. I think direct democracy is very difficult for the people who are actually in the democracy, right? Um, because you're being asked to make decisions on the things that you know nothing about, and you rather like that's you don't get paid to do that. You don't get paid to vote with your governance tokens. Um, you're doing it so that you think that the DAO might become more valuable later, but you really have to specialize in this world of business. And DAOs at its core, whether it's nonprofit or for-profit, is engaged in business and value creation. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um, I think you may be right. Um, and often, you know, when I talk to people about what's wrong with DAOs today or what do DAOs need to do differently, I mean, one of the ideas that does come up that I'm supportive of is try running a DAO a bit more like a traditional company, just let, leave the ultimate decision-making power to the entire community, because then the people who are in control to some degree have accountability, right? You can you can unelect them anytime, you can take away their budget, you can make them even uh, make them have their budget approved every week if you want to, um, but still you know, have someone there who's executing and leading and driving and managing. And I do also think that what will emerge out of this mush that we're building with DAOs is something in between that we haven't even really thought of yet. Uh, but in the meantime, yeah, I mean, I, 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 a, lot of, a lot of people on my show would disagree with me on this, but I, I think you're onto something and it'll be really interesting to see what kind of success uh, people have with with the model that you're building? Yeah, and and, and I see the um, almost blind pursuit of direct democracy as a potential attack vector, because mm. if you drive, if you increase apathy in a DAO to a point where people don't vote, um, you'll end up in a situation where you have to reduce quorum and you're effectively re-centralizing the organization. And so there's this happy medium between. Um, I can delegate my votes to people I trust. I can elect the right people to run the DAO for this period of time. Um, and there are responsibilities that are the right of the token holder to actually make decisions on. And yep. that should be clear and it should be at a cadence. It should be scheduled so that I know when I'm required to participate as a token holder. Yeah. And it kind of stands to reason that the reaction people are having to the world we come from, TradFi, Web2, et cetera, is to go to direct democracy. Um, but maybe we're overshooting a bit in that direction. Yeah, I think I think people are going to end up with some new form of participatory governance um, yep. that isn't direct, nor um, the same type of kind of ossified representation that we see today. Love it. So what would you say is the most common challenge that you've seen DAOs face overall? And how would you recommend people address that challenge? Yeah, I think uh, DAOs have a very difficult time re-engaging members um, after its initial mm. peak. Um, so long-term engagement uh, and apathy is, uh, is a major concern. Um, and it's mm. not apathy because people don't generally care. It's that the overhead and the cost of updating yourself on a DAO and keeping up with the DAO is actually really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Right, because you know the first thing I do mm -hmm. when I join a new server on Discord is to turn off all notifications. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, and so how do you reengage someone who's turned off all notifications? Yeah. Right, good and point. so 
Origami is actually building a software platform because mm -hmm. we provide guidance, we provide a documentation, uh, and we provide the software to vertically integrate this new DAO framework that we're building. And one of the top things that we are working on is creating a social platform so that people can communicate with other members of the mm. DAO internal to the DAO. I, th I think that's really smart. I think you know a lot of the DAO tools or DAO platforms are really focused just on the governance layer mm -hmm. and not necessarily on the social layer that really drives governance decisions. And so that's leaving people to try to develop their own social system on Discord or otherwise. Um, so is, is, is that, so does your platform replace Discord? Does it replace web forums? No, um, we, yeah. we are um, communication platform agnostic. In other words, if you want to run your DAO because it's, you know, um, people are used to WhatsApp, we want to support the fact that you live in WhatsApp. If you want to run them in Discord, we want to respect the fact that they live in Discord. Um, but there has to be a place where you can go to that can easily access the contents of the DAO or what's going on so you can actually update yourself and see, like at a dashboard level, what is the DAO doing? What is the DAO asking me to do? And what are the opportunities for me to provide something in return for tokens? Hmm. Right? Cool. And so okay. if you want to build that, it is probably not Discord. It is probably not WhatsApp. Interesting. Yeah. Um... This, this actually kind of raises up a, a different point, which is um, you, you said that a lot of DAO tooling focuses on governance. And uh, it's fascinating because if you look at a DAO's votes on Snapshot, for example, and if a DAO has a bunch of proposals and they're all basically passing by unanimous decision, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Good question. Right? This, this, is, <laughs> this is a question that's come up several times, which is like, <laughs> is my DAO healthy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, and okay. what's funny is that the actual mm. governance is not the proof in the pudding. The votes themselves at the end is not mm. an indicator of healthy or unhealthy governance. It's what happens in the community prior to the votes. And around it. Yeah. And Everything so, else that's happening. This, yes. Like, yeah, Are whatever the governance engaging? is about. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, did people yeah. have a discussion? Was the, was the proposal written in a way where it was you know, opinion neutral? Did people have enough time? Did they follow the right process? Was it a fair process, right? Are they onboarded properly? All that stuff matters 10 times more than what the actual votes were, right? Because the voting is, we know it's trustworthy, right? I can't sign with your message. And so therefore I know that the snapshot votes um, to, the way, to the degree that it's still centralized is trustworthy. What's interesting to note that the people who do governance in traditional corporations, the board, usually meets like either once a month or once a quarter, yeah. right? Except in very special situations. And they're the ones doing governance in that traditional corporation. So, you know, do we really need to have proposals and votes happening all the time? Or could we have a governance system that doesn't yeah. require as much frequency? Cor corporate governance, um, they do have a proposal system for like traditional corporate governance, but generally it is to elect the board members. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So shareholder representation yeah. comes at the board of the corporate level and you elect people to it. But and that kind of generally stops there. Yeah. With yeah. DAOs, uh, governance goes far beyond that. Yep. So we're going to do a lightning round then. Okay. I would love for you to share uh, if you have any favorite tools for DAOs other than origami, or you could talk about your favorite parts of origami, and then also any favorite DAOs that you think people should check out if they're just getting into DAOs. Yeah, I mean, I, I serve on the treasury uh, committee of Orange Town. And so our job is to move tokens from point A to point B. 
right? And to help with the budget. Um, th this is not a formal tool, uh, but this is something we've used at Orange um, is a seasonal budget process. So having a spreadsheet with a bunch of programs that have been greenlit by proposals and to say for season two, how are we gonna fund this? And the budget's detailed to a point where you can't pass anything but on a line by line basis. You have to, again, trust your elected representatives here to propose something that feels in line with the way the DAO actually is um, going to operate. Now, the opposite or some complementary version of that would be like quadratic funding, where you can set a bunch of priorities and their proportional allocation of funding is based on the votes of the DAO members. And that's kind of interesting way of actually setting the priorities of a group without involving just a centralized group of people. Interesting. So I've never had someone suggest as their favorite tool, basically Excel yep. <laughs> or, or uh, a spreadsheet, the, the original computer yes. tool. <laughs> don't, don't ignore that. I mean, the world runs on spreadsheets and numbers and data and things like that. And um, while I think DAOs can use more tooling and they're coming, uh, at the end of the day, if you want to communicate an idea or a budget that's complex, the existing tools actually work really well. Uh, and yeah. creating a template for that is going to be helpful for your DAO. And the concept you brought up of seasons, which if, if anyone isn't familiar, Bankless does this too. A lot of DAOs do it, whether it's every qu month, quarter, year, whatever, to have a regularly recurring period of time at the beginning of which you do, or before which you do planning, at the end of which you do retro, you have a budget for it, you have approved things that you're going to work on. Um, and it does seem like that cycle helps humans work yeah. on DAOs. Yeah, Orange DAO um, just finished, just started at season three because we started with season zero. It's actually season, technically season two, but it's our third season. And so core contributors and people who have contributed over the last season are being invited to an offsite and we're flying everybody into the same place. And so we can actually have a summit on what the DAO should do and how, what we should be uh, working on for season two. Wow, and that's going to awesome. inform the budget that we actually pass and put together. Yep. Right. Yep, and th cool. so that's a very high end problem, <laughs> right? Because we yep. have the funding and the scale to do that. Um, yeah, but that's exceptional. Totally. Awesome. Well, we are pretty much out of time. So I just want to say thank you again, Ben, and let everyone know uh, where can they find you and your projects on the web and on social? Yeah. So if you're interested in um, creating a DAO or if you want to take a network of people and form a DAO, you can find us at joinorigami.com. And I can be found on Twitter at Benha, at B-E-N-H-U-H. Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter at 0xThriller. My DAO is at MyDAODS. That's M-I-D-A-O-D-S or MyDAO.org. Uh, again, Ben, it's been awesome having you on the show. It's really good to see you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Adam. And uh, for the audience, are you thinking about starting a DAO? Just DAO it. Just Dow It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Just Dow It does not contain any legal or financial advice. My Dow also does not provide legal or financial advice, and nor does your host, yours truly.